0: Welcome back. Welcome back to our uh, our podcast, Firm Grasp on an Empty Bag. I'm Anthony Citrollo. I'm glad you're here. And I'm also glad to have uh, my good friend, Todd Ringler, who I'll introduce in a minute with me. Todd and I, we were trying to figure it out. We go back probably at least 20 years. Uh, we've always, you know, it's interesting. I, we've always been kind of of the same mindset, working in the same direction, haven't worked together as much as we probably should, but hopefully we will going forward. Um I started the podcast, and when I started NYBB, we we were looking at folks who wanted to exit their company. And the question we always ask is, are you ready to exit your company? It's probably your biggest investment. In fact, uh, statistically, they say that about 80% of most owners' wealth is trapped in their business. And that could be a scary thought unless uh, you're prepared. Um, Sometimes we look at it and we say, well, what do you mean by prepared And we'll talk a little bit about that with Todd. And I think for for the years of long and hard work that most people put into their company and their business, most folks are not working 40-hour weeks. They're working more. They invest their own personal capital. I I think it's important that people have an exit strategy. They do some planning as it relates to that. And when the day comes, whether it's your choice or someone else's choice, you should really be ready to sell that company and you want to get maximum value out of it. Um, we've had recently a lot of situations where buyers are actually knocking on the door of folks and saying, hey, I'd like to buy your company. And they come to us and say they want to buy my company. I'm, I'm really not even prepared mentally or, or economically to sell. And the economic part is really a problem. But uh, you work through it, and I think it's important. So um, I welcome Todd because Todd, aside from being a fellow CPA Todd has the CBA credential, a Certified Valuation Analyst. He's done a lot of valuation work. And I think it's great because he combines that with the CPA part of it. And then he's also a partner in a, a, a TAB group, which is the Alternative Board, and they help folks uh, in their business. So Todd, welcome. I, I just wanted to give you a little chance to kind of embellish a little bit your background in terms of how you started, what your mindset was, and um, and also you know, what, what, what you try to... Um, what you try to achieve as you work with people. And then we'll, we have a couple of questions that I think would be good to talk about.
1: That, that's great. Um, Anthony, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, it's it's always great to see you, even if it's it's not in person, but, uh, you know, in the in the new two-dimensional Jetsons world. Um, you know, to, to add a little bit to where I'm coming from and, and where I'm going and what I'm looking to do with uh, helping business owners, you know, maximize their their freedom and their their exit. Really, is really what you're saying is is there? You know, the the current part of cash flow and the future part of cash flow. Um, I was a chef in a restaurant tour in a prior life, and then kind of became partners in you know bars, restaurants, things like that. And um, at twenty something years old, with two little kids, I got a hernia. I hurt myself, and it was kind of like, do I want to be working nights, weekends, and holidays? Said no. I looked at death and taxes and I actually chose taxes. Um, you know, went to college, got the degree, got a master's in tax, worked at the big accounting firms um, where I was doing consolidated tax return work, big groups. What do big groups do? They buy and sell companies. So I kind of found valuation um, accidentally around 99, 2000. And uh, was working with these valuation people and found this way more interesting work than 1502 and the regs thereunder under for anybody that, that cares about tax returns that, you know, we used to send to the IRS in 20 paper boxes. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of how the, the valuation piece became. I opened up uh, an accounting business valuation firm, which is what when we met probably, you know, around 2000, 2002 um, and have grown. Sold the accounting firm in 2009, have grown, Commodore's consulting, helping business owners understand their value, grow their value, and then a logical progression was to get into the alternative board. I was actually a member of the alternative board when I had my accounting firm, um, and my current partner, Jackie Grenet was my coach and facilitator. Um, I sold my accounting firm, no longer a business owner, and I became a facilitator for the alternative board. And uh, a number of years ago, we decided to, you know, make me her exit plan. And um, you know, here I am. I, I now own the alternative board, Comwater's Consulting, which does business valuation, machinery and equipment appraisal, business value improvement services. Yeah, you know, and uh, and Ringler Associates. I have a small tax and accounting practice that I kept. Um, you know, with a few clients that uh, that wouldn't didn't want me to go, I should say. So you know,
0: you know, it's interesting. You talk about the alternative board. And I find that all of our business owners, you know, need uh, a board of some sort, right? And and I think sometimes the board, unfortunately, is me myself and I, right? For a lot of these folks, and sure. that doesn't necessarily give you the best uh, best possibilities. And sometimes the board consists of them and their CPA. OK, or them and their attorney. But um, just talk a little bit about the value of having somebody having a board of a member, a, a group of people together who are kind of going to assist you um, as kind of what the alternative board does, not as a promotion for that. But I think business owners need to think about how they're going to increase value. And sometimes um, they have problems that go, they go through in their business and they don't have necessarily all the solutions. So I think I think that's a perfect kind of segue to kind of talk a little bit about what the value add there is, and then then maybe how you interact with it.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and thank you for the opportunity. But uh, look, at the end of the day, the alternative board is, is taking a group of non-competing business owners, putting them at a table once a month, some structure, but a lot of um, here's my issue, here's my opportunity, here's my threat, here's my concern, a lot of business education, but uh, as as one of my clients said to me recently, he goes, I need to get out of my ecosystem. I, my, my people are telling me yes, and that's not helping me grow. So uh, a lot of what we do is, is leadership, if you will, communication, leadership training, helping business owners understand how to, to involve their team properly, how to get better vision, how to plan and, and build alignment in an organization uh, you know, along with that, it, there's the coaching aspect of it. But when you put, you know, eight or ten business owners at a table and you you ask a kind of question of, you know, what's the biggest challenge in your organization and what do you plan to do about it? And then we talk about setting a goal and being held accountable for those goals, it becomes a little bit more different than I'm running the business by me, myself, and
0: I. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because you know when we work with um, owners who sell their company. Um, Oftentimes they're sold to private equity companies. um, And and a lot of times they, you know, they have a board there and the owner becomes part of that board, the advisory board to kind of chart the, the chart, the, uh, the next step for the corporation, for the company in terms of what it is. And oftentimes when people see larger corporations have boards, they have board of directors, they have board of advisors. So, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important for folks who are, Looking at perhaps an exit. Let's say they're looking at an exit three years, five years, seven years down the road to kind of surround themselves with those folks, um, and I, I think that's key. But what I wanted to ask you is, when you're when you're looking at that, you know, put the the board is is great. When you're listening to it, what are some of the biggest issues that you hear talked about in business today, and and, and talk about them as they affect that ultimate value?
1: Well, the biggest issue, the biggest issue in business currently is people. Um, whether it's finding people, whether it's finding quality people, whether it's um, are they hybrid? Are they virtual? Are they in the office? Are they at location? Are they not? The adaption that's had to be made in the last two years as a result of COVID uh, has really stressed a lot of businesses. But business owners that have embraced technology and expanded and opened their minds are Seeing better results, um, expectations have to be managed, you know. But that—that's probably the biggest challenge currently. Um, when we start talking about, you know, exiting and maximizing business value, then it gets back to, you know, who is your leadership team and what are they actually doing? Uh, as you know, you know, business value is a, is a combination of a number of things. It's it's revenue, it's the growth of that revenue. And all of that's affected by risk, whether it's systemic or unsystemic, you know, inside the company or outside the company and and the timeline that that's to happen. So when they start thinking about exiting, are they really looking at how they can maximize the value of their company, aligning it, creating that vision of where they want to be, you know, are they able to diagnose problems? I mean, that's always a, sure. a, an issue that I run into, you know, that you don't know what you don't know. And a lot of times you don't know how, what kind of a problem you have. And again, you know, a, a million dollar business or a $5 million revenue business is going to be a lot different than a 25 or a 50 or a hundred million dollar business. And then whether or not, obviously they're selling a, a product or providing a service is going to have a lot to do with it as well.
0: So we find, you know, it's interesting when, when, um, we have potential buyers and potential folks who want to uh, acquire a company. Uh, they have some key questions. And, and, and one of the key questions uh, surrounds, you know, it's, it's interesting. So they always want to know about things like concentration of customers, right? They right. always look at that. They always want to see what the cash flow of the business is. They want to see good financials. We could talk about that. But one of the big things they want to see, they ask, who's your management team? Who's right. your leadership team? And if you're the leadership team and you're the management team, and you don't have anybody really who's a trusted person who who can hand off, you've actually devalued your company. It's it's amazing how that's happened, and I I, I see those as as you know specific areas where it's been difficult to get folks to understand that. I mean, so I mean, is there a... I I don't know I don't know, do you know if you have a secret message or is there a way you can actually can you show somebody at an evaluation or, I mean, like, how, well, do we, that, how do we impart that information to people? Because it's hard to get through to them.
1: Um, you know,
0: depending upon
1: whether or not they, they know everything or they don't, or they're willing to be open or not. Um, every business has got a number of challenges, leadership, that leadership team being one of them. And the alignment of the leadership team, and how they operate together, right? You know, uh, or do they even operate together? And, and we find—I'm sure you find it—in in the smaller companies, the you know the under fifty million. A lot of times, there's no cohesion and there's no rowing at the same time in the same direction because everybody's in their silo and nothing gets aggregated. So you know, when you start to you know either bring in a professional facilitator or you come bring some kind of structure to growing a business you know what what are what is the vision and the culture of the business does it really work are the people aligned with the vision and the culture you know what are our advantages all of those things come from leadership and go down to the rank and file and if leadership's not communicating effectively or not setting that path it, it's definitely going to affect the value you know that kind of looks at the the operational value driver of you know the company overview and and how are their operations? What is their senior management doing? So you know, lots of different areas to look at.
0: You know, and it, and it, it really it, it really applies to smaller companies. So we we looked at our company <clears throat> uh, about a year and a half ago, and as you know, I had a previous partner who retired. I have other partners now, and we said, "Gee, what's going to take us to the next level?" And you know, we I was thinking, you know, I'm not you know, I, am going to exit at some point. I'm not getting younger. Right. Uh, but, um, and we went through a whole EOS program, um, which I think, uh, helped us, uh, define, um, duties. Sometimes you find partners who have, you know, they, they run a business pretty, pretty efficiently, but there's really no uh, delineation in terms of who is responsible for what. And as you try to grow the business, I think it's important to, to get in that direction, you know? Um, and and I see what you mean about leadership because we did it, but, uh, um, And uh, I think it would be well served for for people to, you know, to look at a coach. Sure. You know, I mean, you've you've coached a lot of folks, and uh, sometimes people think, oh, what do I need a coach for? So I just wanted to you know, throw that at you. I know it wasn't on a prescribed list of questions or anything, no, right, no, I, but I think yes. it's important because you're good at that, and I think people have to know that perhaps listening to a coach or having a coach advise them an outside, per, you know, set of ears and set of eyes you know, and what do you bring to the table when you do that kind of thing?
1: Uh, okay. So I'm going to back up and then go forward. So, so you did EOS, EOS and, and that whole system is an amazing system. Um, I was an EOS implementer, but it went, when they changed their model, I had to give up, give that up. Um, but I use a thing called Strap Pro. The alternative board has a similar, uh, a similar process. It's a uh, 14 workshops instead of Five days, um, it's half day units. And, you know, but again, the same kind of thing, you know, involving a professional facilitator with a proven methodology to bring out the best thinking of the leadership team alignment, vision, diagnosing, planning, executing, and then optimizing, you know, and, and, and planning what's going to be next. Where do we want to go? So, so, as far as those components, if you align all of those components, the theory is the, all boats are going to rise and where the, the boat itself is going to rise and the tide is going to go up. That dovetails into the, the, the coaching. And the, the, the thing that I can say about coaching is what my coach recently said to me when we were talking about client acquisition and, and helping people is most people that have coaches know or recognize that they, they are benefiting from them and they need them. It's the people that don't have coaches that don't see the value. So how do you bring a horse to water? Well, you know, coaches do certain things and they don't do other things. And and at least from my perspective, it's my job to help you recognize how you can improve um, by asking a lot of questions, by certainly suggesting things. I never tell anyone to do anything because – it's not my place. It's your stuff. But I can certainly help you to recognize and and improve your attributes and recognize your defects. And, you know, they always say, well, you know, why are we working on our defects or our, our deficiencies? But being aware of them and being able to delegate those away, um, you know, it, it's not about treating and diagnosing dysfunction. It's, it's really using active listening to make Informed decision help decision making help um, as as a coach. So I, are I you involved
0: is- in the actual business operation when you're doing that? I mean, how how deeply involved do you get? Are you, for instance, looking at financial information? Or are you just oh. taking your cue from the owner? I mean, what give me an idea of how, well, I, how involved someone gets?
1: <laughs> well, that's a great question, and thank you for it. Um, as a CPA, I have to have the financial information. I really can't help you if i don't know what the numbers are. And as you know, if you can if you can measure it, you can manage it. If you can't measure it, you're really not managing anything. So, so the financial statements is always a start. Um, you know, I can take a look at three years of financial statements in about 30 minutes, have a good idea if the company's going in a good direction or not a good direction. You know, as someone that's looked at companies like 4 or 500 valuations in the last 22 years and and helped hundreds of business owners move their business and personal needles forward um it's got to be financially driven but it's also the strategic thinking and the execution a lot of business owners can't get out of their own way we help them to recognize that and and get out of your own way you know hiring operational managers and, and operational executives and and being able to delegate some of those non-critical leadership ownership tasks, mm-hmm. um, it's key. And and when that happens and the and the clients accept and are willing to change, that's when the results really happen. Yeah. You know, if you're not willing to change, then then I'm really not going to work with you more likely than not, or I'm going to recognize that.
0: And that's kind of,
1: yeah, go ahead. Sorry. We
0: routinely, we, and you know, you can, and this is interesting because we routinely have owners who, you know, are very involved in their company and when, when you really look at what they put into the company, how many hours they put in the company, you know, we look at, you know, and we can get into the valuation part of it to, in a little while. But we look at it as what do we need to replace that owner? Right. If he or she doesn't have a real management team, first of all, and he or she is is working 70 or 80 hours a week. I mean, the replacement of that person is almost impossible right. to a certain degree.
1: two people more likely than not. And, and and again, those are those are the kind of people that. Mm-hmm don't believe in my experience and possibly in your experience that anyone can help them or would understand. Um, You know, I'm I'm working with someone right now. He's 57. He said two and a half years. He goes, I am going to be semi-retired. I'm going to be out golfing. I'm going to be out doing business development. My organization is going to run on its own. He's at that point. He's hired the people. He's got them, pretty much locked up in terms of great salaries, great benefits, a really good work environment and they work hard but they also produce results and he's gotten to that point over a 10 year period you know but he also realized 5 years ago that he had this goal of at 60 i don't want to do this anymore so if you don't have a goal that's the first point right and and how many people actually set goals and then hold themselves accountable to the goals, which is a yeah. big part of what the board, the alternative board that you are part of does. We, we set goals on a monthly basis based on the conversations and the discussions or the educational piece, you know, and, and obviously different areas need different types of goals. But from an owner's perspective, without a doubt, Anthony, they, the owner, the more valuable business is the business that the owner does not work.
0: And, and the marketplace I can tell you from being in the transaction world the marketplace for that owner that you just described is 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 tremendous uh, in fact the preview the the owner who is not operating his or her business that way may find themselves without a market for the most part they may okay. they may find themselves almost not unsellable but really unsellable at at, at at a price that that's not going to embarrass them quite frankly exactly. you know and uh, people look very carefully the marketplace is ripe now There's still fairly good multiples being paid out there. There's still a buyer interest. You know, we're we're a little affected now by, you know, rising interest rates, which affect sure. the ROI of a company and affect the 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 structure of a deal. Having said that, there's still plenty of cash out there that that wants to buy quality companies, but they're really they're really picky about it. So what I wanted to do is just shift a little to the valuation side of it, right? So you you put your valuation hat on a little bit, and you've probably seen things change in valuation to a certain extent. But let's talk about some of the things that don't change, some of the things that people look at that really are the, kind of the the, the cement, the, the, the foundation parts of when you're looking at valuation, what is important. This way, the audience knows what is important. And maybe they can kind of look at their company and say, gee, do I... Check any or all of the boxes when somebody's going to look at me from a valuation standpoint.
1: Okay, per- gr- great. So value comes, as I said earlier, and this value really comes from earnings and the multiple, right? And, and you know, I got an X multiple or a Y multiple, whatever it is, and and that, as you know, as a valuation professional, that multiple is based on a number of factors, but the majority of those factors have to do with the risk associated with the growth and the continuance of that earning stream, right? So we, we can work both sides of this equation. So I'm going to work the the multiple side first. We want to increase the multiple. We want to reduce the risk, right? So we want to look at how is the organization set up? Um, how are your human resources? How are our financials being used? You know, what is our customer satisfaction level. You know, all, all of our contracts and our legal things are buttoned up, you know. We've got a uh, we've got a serious sales and marketing team that knows how to operate together. They don't fight with each other, which I'm sure you've seen. And and they 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 are able to as a as a group, as a leadership group and as the different departments. They're able to innovate. They're always looking at something new and trying to figure things out. So when you have all of those things, that's going to lower the risk and increase the multiple. Does that make sense? Right? You I know it does, yeah, right? Sure. Right. And then the other side of the coin is the earnings, right? So what do we want to do? Well, we want to maximize EBITDA at the end of the day. It's really all about cash flow. Um, you know, what are people being paid on in terms of that multiple? And how do we maximize cash flow? Uh, and that comes back to, a really solid plan and, and, and just normal, good business practices, managing receivables, managing payables, um, obviously having a, a sales and marketing plan that people are being held accountable for. We're really big with the alternative board in setting goals for the individuals in the team and then the key performance indicators being managed to make sure that we're getting to where we want to go right? It's, it's not going to happen all the time, but execution, turning that vision and those goals, mm-hmm. which turn into the, the KPIs, turning them into reality, increasing the revenues, right? That's, that's the two sides of the coin, you know?
0: You know, the one question I have, too, is, you know, we, we with COVID, you know, we've, we've had two years, a year and a half, whatever you want to call it of you know, almost unpredictable results. Some businesses have done much better than expected. Some have done much poorly, much more poorly. We routinely now are having folks who say, hey, Justin, we really need, we need quality projections on your business. And your projections for a lot of folks have been, you know, not necessarily scientific, let's say, okay, over the years, but I think they have become more important. And, you know, we're seeing that because, um, folks are looking at, and I want your perspective on the whole COVID thing, but in our our world, they're they're saying, hey, listen, let's look at what you did in 2019, and let's compare it to what your projections are and what you're doing in 2022 to see if what normal would be. And then the middle part, the 20 and 21 with COVID, a lot of folks don't know how to handle it. So what are you seeing out there? I mean, what are you doing on the valuation side? Because you may see a company that routinely has has EBITDA of a million and a half dollars during covid Had had one hundred and fifty thousand in EBITDA or three million, right? It could be either way, right?
1: Um, That when when we're dealing with that in the in the valuation world, those are anomalies, right? So uh, anomalies kind of get pushed to the side a little bit. They're addressed, but you know, is that company going that will do the the million and a half down to to one hundred fifty? Is that company going to stay at one hundred and fifty? You would hope that you know that was twenty. 20, maybe the beginning of 21, and then you started to see things changing depending on the industry. Um, you know, certain industries are very hot right now, as you well know, and private equity is really rolling things up. Um, and then, you know, the younger business buyers, they're out there, but what do they want? What are they looking to get involved in? Um, so, so, you know, that's kind of how I, I see that piece of it at least.
0: Yeah, we've had folks who, who basically, to a certain extent, you know, some people discount what's happened during COVID, you know, and they really kind of like saying, look, let's just, let's just look at and make sure that going forward, some of your numbers make sense, that you restored yourself to whatever, you know, normal would be for your company. And uh, the personnel part that we started with is really impacting that because a lot of folks can't project doing the same amount of business because they quite frankly can't find the help. So they have to look for you know, so now you know you're looking for probably the most perfect organization who has the balance of the the talent that they have and the, and the perspective, you know, the projected business. Um, do, you, do you see? I mean, do, do you see valuations, I mean, have they been pretty static over years? Have Have you seen them going? Uh, have Have multiples in your mind increased? I. <laughs> On
1: some levels they have, you know and and again, I'm gonna go backwards to what the what the discount rate is, which is really where that multiple comes from. Um, I just came back from Salt Lake City, the NACVA's business valuation conference. And, and you know we're at a point now where it's kind of like the discount rate's like 18 to twenty two. but there was a point in time where that discount rate was like 16, 15 and then there was the other side of it where it was in the 20s you know so it it seems as though covid it's it's a blip and you kind of have to adapt to that blip and make normalization adjustments based on realistic projections and asking the right questions in terms of what do they have and and you're right you know good projections if they're done internally a lot of times there's not the skill set there. Sometimes the bigger accounting firms do really good projections with lots of variables. And then that's kind of where we are, we're looking at it to say when we're doing the valuation and that valuation projection that we don't do but that are given to us, well, how reasonable is this as a result of X, Y, and Z? And people is, is one of the biggest ones. Like, Do you have the capacity that you used to have? And are you going to be able to do sure. the same number of units or whatever? And of course, we won't even throw the inflation recession thing into it, which is kind of, you know, r- risen all boats in terms of revenue numbers and, and not so much bottom line numbers, but a bottom line numbers a little bit. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of greed inflation infl- out there for sure. There's been
0: a lot of there's been a lot of unusual risk factors and uh, a lot of folks don't know how to evaluate them. You know, sometimes it's a, it's impacting the terms of a transaction, you know. Uh, but one true. thing I got to tell you is we we advise every client to say, hey, listen, do you have a valuation? Do you have a formal valuation? And they look at us and they go, well, I've never really needed one. And I, I said, well, first of all, let's assume they're not partners where they really should have had one right on a regular basis because they have a partnership agreement or a buy sell or anything like that. I go, you really need to know you know, what your business is worth. I mean, do, do you see folks? um more interested in that now than ever. I mean, we we promote it, but you know it's hard because people they they don't see the value of it. And maybe you could talk a little bit about what the value is and how maybe they can lever that a little bit.
1: Well, I, if you don't know where you are, how are you going to know where you want to go? Um, so so that's you know, and again, um. Uh, it's like the surgeon saying, you know, you have to have surgery. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, you know, but with but the value of, of evaluation is understanding where you are, identifying the, both the market drivers and the operational drivers, you know, the, the systemic and the unsystemic risk pieces and how you can improve to get more cash flow, increase the earnings. Um, It's also a good idea to know where you are and and use it as a bench or a base mark. Like if we want to go from here to here, how are we going to get from here to here? How do we get from point A to point B? And how do we measure that? Um, And that's ultimately what the valuation will do. You know, most owners, it's like, well, I got more money in my bank or I've got more, more cash aside. You know, I was talking with somebody this week. He's like, yeah, I've got a million in the bank and I'm very comfortable right now you know, for a $9 million business to have a million dollars in reserves, he's, he's like, you know, we're doing really well. But the other side yeah. of it is, is interest rates are going up, and that's going to affect my business. So
0: the other thing we tell them, hey, listen, the buyer, if you look in the market, your business, the buyer is going to do evaluation, they're going to do a quality of earnings. If depending on the size of the business, they're going to look at some third party representative numbers, they're going to give them a good idea of what that company, that company's is worth. They're not going to take your word for it. So we said, you know, you got to I wouldn't say go in fighting, but go in without with some knowledge. And and we we like clients that are knowledgeable. And and um, and I, I say to them, you know, and here's a plug, really. It's a small investment. It's a relatively small investment. If you you know, it's funny, you know, if you have a business that's, uh, you know, the EBIT is a couple of million bucks a year and you have to invest, invest. In evaluation, it's a rounding error almost on your PL. Exactly. You know, I mean, relatively and, it, and, it's, and
1: it's a PL item. Yes, it's coming out of your pocket. But that goes back to, um, you know, pound-wise and penny-foolish, I think we call that, right? Or our parents- Penny-wise and
0: pound-foolish, I think. Other, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, so I was dyslexic on that. But, yeah. It, it. But, again, people don't want to spend money that they perceive as it should be theirs.
0: I so, also think it, it reveals a lot to you, too, because- you know, some of the questions that you have to ask are questions we ask. And, and if 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 they would just actually have some perspective on some of those questions, whether it be the management or leadership team, or maybe it's concentration of customers, which we see a lot of. And then you see there are a lot of folks who have, you know, crummy financials. Oh, yeah. and, and, and you have to, when, you, when you're going, and when you're thinking about your largest asset, which is your business, you know, the least you could have a good financial statement so that when somebody wants to see it, whether you want to borrow money, if that comes to pass, with, once somebody wants to buy the company, you really should at least have that, you know, have well-rounded information for them so that they're ready to go. But I, I yeah. think that makes sense. We're almost at the end. I want to give you the last word. Todd. Um,
1: well, thank you very much for, for having me. For, first off, um, you know, Working with business owners is is a. Uh, it's become my passion. It's become my joy. I really. I. It's the reason I get out of bed in the morning. I, I love helping people find both personal and business freedom. We call it freedompreneur, right? Because everybody gets into business. For a better reason, or I I believe that everyone gets into business for a better reason. If you ask a business owner, why did you get into business? To have some freedom, to be able to do the things I want to do. Unfortunately, sometimes the business becomes the ball and chain. Um, So the opportunity to help business owners like that is is something that I relish and I I cherish. Um, Again, finding those people that are open to having a conversation about what's next and what's the plan for the exit and how are you going to grow and how are you going to surround yourself with people that understand what you're going through have probably or possibly dealt with what you're going through, you know, the alternative board, you, you don't talk to these things about, you know, about your business with your spouse so much as you do with other business owners. So, sure. you, know,
0: those, then, you know, and then people, how can they reach you? Just so, um, we can...
1: so, so uh, tab, TABNY.com is uh, the alternative board or New York's website. And um, I'm Todd at T, Todd R, actually, at, at TABNY.com. And uh, my cell phone, 516 317 2856. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on all the social medias. Uh, you know, that's
0: click. Great. And anybody that's who needs to follow through, anybody needs to get Todd can get me And, You know, look, our, our goal here um, doing the, these shows is. Really provide great information, which I appreciate Todd providing. And um, you know, I, I jokingly, in, in a way, say you don't want to end up with really a firm grasp on an empty bag. But sometimes if you are not paying attention, you're not getting evaluation, you're not paying attention to your financials, you may actually not realize that the bag is not as full as you think. And I think uh, I I say that like tongue in cheek to a certain extent. But I really uh, look our goal here at OMB is maybe it's the same as Todd's. We want to help the business owner maximize the value of what is their largest asset. And, And really, you know, we want them to really realize that benefit because they they should after working 30 or 40 years or even if it's fewer years than that, they should be able to go on their boat. They Should be able to go on vacation, they should be able to go and realize the benefits of working hard. It's not just like a, a normal job would be, um, it's really a commitment, it's a life, a life commitment to you. And uh, please just pay attention if we can be of any assistance at all. We're here at the NYBB Group to help you. We have uh, uh I'm one of three partners, we have seven intermediaries, we have a full staff, we can help you. We're in Melville, we take care of clients throughout the country, and uh, and we work with uh great professionals like Todd Ringler. Todd, thank you again. And everyone um, have a great day and uh, we'll see you next time. Stay there, Todd.